Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about déjà vu, and more interestingly, the opposite of déjà vu and other things like it. And we'll talk about when you need to put commas between your hairy, scary adjectives. Imagine this. You're walking down the street, making your way home after a night out with friends. One friend makes a comment, another responds, and you perk up your ears. You've heard this exact conversation before. In fact, even though you're in a neighborhood that's new to you, everything from the streetlights to the bustle of traffic to the animated chatter of your friends feels deeply familiar. It's as though you're looping back to a moment that's already been logged in your memory, even though that can't possibly be the case. You may have even paused and marveled at the creepy phenomenon. Whoa, deja vu. Now, many of us know what deja vu is, and it's fairly common to experience it from time to time. But where does the term come from? What's the opposite of deja vu? And are there any terms for similar phenomena that are less well-known? Well, as you've probably figured out from the sound of the word, deja vu comes from French. It means already seen. And that's appropriate. Deja vu describes the eerie sensation when something previously unknown to you, like a new neighborhood or a conversation that's never happened before, suddenly feels like a memory of something you've already experienced. Merriam-Webster defines deja vu as, quote, the illusion of remembering scenes and events when experienced for the first time, or a feeling that one has seen or heard something before, unquote. Deja vu can also mean something overly or unpleasantly familiar. If you keep trying to grow houseplants only to have them wither and turn brown a few months later, you might look at your fading ficus and say, I'm getting a feeling of deja vu. Although both the Oxford Dictionary and Merriam-Webster keep the accent marks from the French spelling, it's not uncommon to see deja vu written in English texts without accent marks in part because the Associated Press didn't use accent marks at all before 2019 because their system couldn't transmit the marks, and even today only uses them in names. The scientific term for the phenomenon described as déjà vu is promnesia, which Edam Online tells us is modern Latin from Greek pro, which translates to before, plus mnesia, which is memory. Think of the similar word amnesia, the A, which means not, plus menzi, which means remembering. Amnesia literally means not remembering. Comedian George Carlin described something he called vujade, the strange feeling that somehow none of this has happened before. Carlin's made-up word was just nonsense, a comedic reversal of the term déjà vu. But does déjà vu have a real opposite? It does. The term is less well-known. It's jamais vu. Jamais vu is also French, and it means never seen. Although you might occasionally hear people refer to jamais vu in casual contexts, it's actually a medical term. Doctors use it to describe not recognizing something familiar, like if you walk into your backyard and it feels like you've never been there before. You may have experienced a mild form of jamais vu called word blindness, which happens when a familiar word suddenly doesn't look like a real word anymore. One study found that 60% of college students say they've experienced this kind of word blindness. Presque vu translates from French to almost seen. 
It's a more obscure term that describes being on the edge of an epiphany or that feeling like something is on the tip of your tongue, but you just can't get there. It turns out French is a handy language for describing strange psychological phenomena. Here are a few other terms you can use to impress your friends. Déjà vécu. That means already lived. This is an intense but false feeling that you've already lived through the present situation. Déjà vu is a short-lived phenomenon, but déjà vécu is a false memory of a whole sequence of events, which can even lead to the conviction that one has lived past lives. Déjà entendu means already heard. It's a false feeling that something you've never heard before is familiar. It's the audio-only version of déjà vu. Déjà lu means already read. If you've got the weird sense that the book you're reading is something you've read before, even though it was just released, you're experiencing déjà lu. Déjà revi means already dreamed. Often confused with déjà vu, this is the sensation that something you're experiencing right now in the waking world has already happened to you in a dream. That segment was written by Karen Lundy Hertzberg, who until recently was QDT's editor and content strategist. Her eclectic background includes pioneering an online writing school in the late 90s, leading an editorial team of video game journalists, managing massive public and media relations campaigns, and writing hundreds of articles on writing and communication. Before we get to the next segment, I have another pronunciation update. Remember how I pronounced the University of Reading as the University of Reading because it's spelled like the word reading? Well, there's another instance where the same pronunciation problem occurs in the game Monopoly. A listener named John Kamenetz from Pennsylvania told me that the property in Monopoly that my family and my husband's family have always pronounced as Reading Railroad is actually pronounced Reading Railroad. It was named after the real but now defunct Reading Railroad in Reading, Pennsylvania, which is located in the southeastern part of the state. And supposedly, the Pennsylvania town gets its name from Reading in England, which is the location of the University of Reading. Full circle wholeness. Thank you, John. That was a fun little tidbit. And I also got a call from Rebecca, who had a good point about pronunciation that I've heard before, but that wasn't in the pronunciation segment. Hi, my name is Rebecca, and I am calling from New York. I just got done listening to the podcast about pronunciation, correcting people that mispronounce things. And I wanted to bring up something that I feel that uh, you maybe you missed. Um, people that read a word and never hear it. We are prone to mispronouncing words all the time. I'm one of those people. I didn't grow up around linguistic type people, but I read everything. So to this day, there are still words that I mispronounce and people laugh at me. And I correct them by saying, please don't laugh at me. I learned through reading. So you really have nothing to laugh at. (laughs) Um, I just thought that was an interesting point. I hope you find it interesting as well. Thank you. That's a great point. Thanks, Rebecca. When you use a string of adjectives, you often separate the adjectives with commas, as in he is tall, comma, dark, comma, and handsome. 
Sometimes, though, you don't use a comma between two adjectives. The comma rule comes down to the difference between two kinds of adjectives: coordinate adjectives and cumulative adjectives. Coordinate adjectives are adjectives in a row that each separately modify the noun that follows, as in heavy, bulky box. Both heavy and bulky modify box. You can even rearrange the adjective to say bulky, heavy box. Cumulative adjectives, on the other hand, don't separately modify the noun that follows, even though they're all stacked up before the noun too. Instead, the adjective right before the noun pairs with the noun as a unit, and the adjective before that unit modifies that. An example will make it more clear. In the phrase "exquisite custom houseboat," custom modifies houseboat, and they become a unit. And then "exquisite" modifies custom houseboat. If you try to rearrange the adjectives as we did for heavy, bulky box, you'll run into a problem. The phrase "custom exquisite houseboat" is awkward, and it's awkward precisely because you can't rearrange cumulative adjectives. Let's say you have two adjectives in a row before a noun, and you're not sure whether they're coordinate or cumulative. You can perform a simple test: add the word "and" between the adjectives. If the phrase makes sense, the adjectives are coordinate. If not, they're cumulative. For example, "It's a bulky and heavy box" makes good sense, but "It's an exquisite and custom houseboat" doesn't. Here's a quick review so far. You can rearrange coordinate adjectives, and you can stick an "and" between them. As for cumulative adjectives, neither trick works. Okay, and I can tell even from far away that your head is spinning because of this esoteric terminology. When all you really want to know is what do commas have to do with these adjectives? Agreed. You don't have to remember the names unless you want to impress your friends. Commas are what matter here. To determine if we need a comma between two adjectives that precede a noun, we need to return to the and test. I'm sure you remember the tall, dark, and handsome man we mentioned at the beginning of the show. You could be wordy and say the tall and dark and handsome man. If you can separate the adjectives with and, then you can separate the adjectives with commas. Also, if you can rearrange the adjectives, then you can separate them with commas. We started with the tall, dark, handsome man, but the handsome and tall and dark man works just as well. Sometimes a pair of adjectives can be both coordinate and cumulative. Let's take the adjectives deep and religious and pair them with the noun experience. If we say she had a deep, comma religious experience, we're using coordinate adjectives. She had an experience that was both deep and religious, or religious and deep. Now let's get rid of the comma. She had a deep religious experience. Here, the religious experience was deep. The adjectives are cumulative. Granted, the difference between the two is quite subtle. Just remember that if you can reverse your two adjectives or can place an and between them, you need a comma. And now our interesting comma illuminating lesson has come to a close. I hope you had a grand old time. No comma there. And here's a quick quiz to test what you've just learned. Which of these needs a comma between the adjectives? It's an easy five-mile hike. That was a long, hard run. They endured a tough marital situation. You can find the answers in the show notes or in the transcript of this segment at quickanddirtytips dot com. Search for commas with adjectives on the website.
That segment was by Bonnie Mills, who's been a copy editor since 1996. This week, instead of a Familect story, I have one more longtime listener story that came in just after the deadline. But I did do a TV segment about Familects last week that featured some of your stories, and it turned out great. I think it's one of the best segments I've ever been on. The show is called The List, and you can find this segment on their website at thelisttv.com. The headline is How Families Establish Their Own Languages. And if your Familect is Hoopsatorum, Screaming Manches, or Amy Look, your story was featured, so be sure to check it out. I posted it on all my social media, too. And here's a call from Eileen. Hi, this is Eileen Burmeister. Um, my Grammar Girl story is that I, when I stumbled across Grammar Girl a little over a decade ago, I was so excited to find, it was one of those moments where you kind of find your own people that you didn't know were out there. And I've described it before as like, you know, God gives us each talent. Some people are engineers, some people are artists and painters. And I have this weird ability to know what is good grammar and what is not and what needs to be corrected where. And it just felt like what an odd gift to be given. But then I stumbled onto Grammar Girl and thought, okay, there are more people like me. And that was the year I dressed up as Grammar Girl for Halloween. And it was also the year that I... um submitted my Ode to the Ellipsis into the annual um, National Grammar Day essay contest for Grammar Girl and won. was so excited. So as much as a nerd as that makes me sound, I am so happy I stumbled upon Grammar Girl years ago and continue to follow her career um, in every twist and turn and have enjoyed it thoroughly. Congratulations. Thank you, Eileen. I remember your winning essay, and everyone else can find it on the website at quickanddirtytips.com by searching for Ellipsis Spurned. It's funny and includes a version of the Serenity Prayer for writers. And seeing the picture of you dressed up for Halloween as Grammar Girl was a high point of my career. Thanks for calling. Next week, we'll be getting back to Familect stories, so it's a good time to call with yours. You can leave a voicemail at 83321-4GIRL with the story of a word your family and only your family uses, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.